everyone. I hope you all had a great weekend. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Speak Up Sports Podcast. I'm excited for you all to hear it as I sat down and talked with two-time gymnastics Olympic medalist Lori Hernandez. It was a pleasure working with her for the National Dog Show Junior, and it was so good to talk with her again. Today, we will be talking about her journey throughout her entire gymnastics career, both the highs and the lows, and her career in the sports commentating world. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Speak Up Sports podcast. Today on the podcast, I am joined with a two-time Olympic medalist, the amazing Lori Hernandez. Lori, thank you for joining me today. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn about your journey. So what got you interested into wanting to do gymnastics as a kid? So I started when I was five years old. I remember watching two gymnasts on the TV and just thinking that they looked so cool and so graceful and so powerful. And I didn't ever consider that humans could do something like that. And so I think I got pretty inspired, pointed to the screen and told my mom, hey, I want to be just like those girls. And she said, really? I said, yeah. She said, okay. And that was how I got started. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So when did you know that you wanted to become an Olympian? I think when I was around nine years old, I did a program called TOPS, which is basically you just condition and see how strong you are. And they compare it to other girls across the US. And when I was eight years old, I came out, I think it was strongest in the country. And then nine years old, I just, I qualified to a really high point system or something. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I made what we call A camp. There's like A camp or at the time there was A camp, B camp and diamond. So I made A camp. And they were like, wow, this nine-year-old's really good. We want to invite her to our our developmental training camps, which is where the Olympians go and train. So she can either go to the TOPS camp, have fun, make a lot of t-shirts, make a lot of friends, or she can go to this developmental camp. And that's basically the first step into like going down the Olympic path. And I quickly was like, oh yeah, I don't need the TOPS camp. Let's, Let's go to the Olympics. That'd be a lot cooler. So I think that was my first introduction of the Olympics being a possibility. That sounds such like a fun journey. I mean, like you started just, you know, weightlifting more so or like working on your conditioning. But like when you watched the Olympics in 2012 in London, when you were only 12, like did it sort of set in like then that you were like, oh, wow, like I can totally do this. And my goal is completely set on Rio now. Um, you know, I think even still at 12, it was kind of fuzzy. I don't think I believed in myself that much at 12. I was working towards making it to the games in 2016 but I never realized that it was a possibility up until I was like 15 I knew I wanted it at nine but at 15 I was like you know what I think I could actually do this I may be good enough to get in there but at 12 I just remember watching these girls and thinking wow they are a they are so much older than me which they totally were not but like they are so much older than me and like I just thought that they had done the sport for a lot longer than I had, that they had a lot more experience than I had, which all of those things were true, but you know, it just felt so far out of my reach. And I think that's why the Olympics and specifically Olympic gymnastics is so cool because it is out of our reach. Not everybody can do that. And that's, that's a really intimidating, but fun thing to watch. So me at 12 also felt that way. (laughs) Well, I love that. I mean, like you weren't sure at first, but like when you finally 
were like, yes, I can definitely do that. And then you like went on and you took it on and you became like the youngest team member out of the final five group to compete in Rio, which must have been so exciting, as well as the first U.S. born Hispanic gymnast to compete for Team USA since 1984. Like, what did that mean to you being there at only 16 years old? Yeah, I mean, I I knew that I was going to be the youngest. You can only go to the Olympics for artistic gymnastics or for women's artistic gymnastics when you're 16 years old and up. Mm-hmm. And so they would consider that to be the senior group. And then juniors is 15 years old and younger. And so I had just turned 16 on an Olympic year. So I made it by like the skin of my teeth. I almost was not supposed to qualify. And um it comes down to literally being born in the right year. And so there's world championships and all these other senior competitions that they were hosting that a lot of girls get to go to, they gain experience and then they can kind of build up their track record. You get to trust them a little more. You want to use them for international competitions. Um, But what's interesting is that I wasn't able to do any of that because I was too young. So it was interesting that they put, you know, all, all their cards on me and, and put me into the team. It was nice that they trusted me enough to be with some of these girls who had, you know, like Simone won world championships, like Ali was already at her Olympic games. Gabby already won the Olympic games, you know? So it was really intimidating. Maddie had already been to a world championship. So it was, it was scary, but at the same time, it was like, okay, you know, I just have to trust myself. They picked me for a reason. Is my imposter syndrome kicking in? Yes, absolutely. But I'm here for a reason. They told me they wanted me. So clearly I have something to give. I'm just going to roll with it, you know? (laughs) And I love that it showed you and that they had that much trust in you. And like you were fearless enough to not even have ever competed in a major like the world championships before Rio. So obviously that was your first one. You're going in there, the Olympics, you know, and you ended up winning team gold and an individual silver on balance beam, which it, congratulations. I mean, that's amazing. But how proud were you like standing up on that podium, wearing the team USA jacket and being like, I just won a medal representing my country, not even just a medal, a gold medal. And you just talking about it, you were only 16 and you had never competed in a major one like this before. Yeah, it was a, it was definitely a big ignorance is bliss kind of moment. I think, you know, being the age that I am now, had I experienced that now, I would have handled things very differently. Would the outcome have been the same? I I actually wouldn't be surprised if it did end up the same, but at the same time, like, and in terms of mindset, I know when I was 16, it was like, okay, I'm not nervous. Everything is fine. Uh, I've worked so hard for this. I got it. And I'm over here crying and like, just not feeling well in the corner because I got so nervous. Whereas now it's like, okay, you're nervous. That's okay. Like you're about to do some really high level gymnastics in front of thousands of people who watched you at 16 years old. And now you look different. You do gymnastics differently. You're, you know, training at a different gym. It was definitely, you know, there's a lot of layers that kind of Mm -hmm. peel back from that. So at 16, not really like I obviously understood the weight of the Olympics, but not really picking that up and thinking, you know what, it's just another competition. That's it. I'm going to pretend like this is practice. Uh, meanwhile, it was the Olympic games, you know, but <laughs> standing on that podium was mind blowing because it didn't really hit me until you're standing up there and whoever wins first place, they play your country's national anthem. And so we're all standing there and you just see like the American flag being raised and our, our country's national anthem playing and we have our hand on our hearts and we're all just looking going, is this real? <laughs> like, is that, is that for us? And it was, and it was, 
it was just crazy between that, between seeing people all in the crowd holding up the flags, like people decked out and Team USA gear. There were a lot of, there's a lot of patriotism that happens during the Olympics. So um, it was an interesting thing to watch at such a young age. Well, I bet it's still like surreal a little bit for you. And like, I want to take you back a little bit. Obviously you just talked about the experience of standing on the podium, but like when you had to compete individually on balance beam, the four inch beam up in the air, I mean, there's no event scarier than that. So I just want to take you back a little bit and see like, how did you approach that? And how did you build your confidence to be able to compete so well that day and end up winning a silver medal? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's just practice, lots and lots and lots of practice. And that's the thing that everybody says. So a lot of people will hear that and it'll just be in one ear, out the other. But it is practice. I mean, it was 15, well, before 2016, it was 11 years of training and it was hours a day for six days a week and being homeschooled for it and just doing the same thing over and over and over again until your muscle recognizes it as a pattern. And then when you get nervous, it's now connecting your brain and your body, but also telling your brain to go sit in the corner and zone out and space out and let your muscle memory kick in because that's what you train for. You know, at practice, you are, you know, we're taught to let your nerves get the best of you at practice. That way, when you're at competition, you just let them walk away and then you let your body do the work. So um, years and years and years and years. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I was never nervous about whether or not I would hit. I was always nervous about doing something that was out of the ordinary like if I went into practice and I was hitting six in a row beam routines every day and then I magically go into a competition and fall that was my biggest fear so of course it was you know it was a little bit of doubt and so I'm I'm definitely more of a nervous human being when I'm competing so lots of crying beforehand lots of pacing lots of um, visualizing in the corner and trying not to talk to people but also asking people to talk to me so that way I could get a little distracted and get out of my head um, and yeah, it just, it's essentially awful until I salute the judges. And then once I'm on the equipment, that's it. It's like kind of coming home again. You know, that's what I'm used to. I'm not used to all the nerves beforehand. What I am used to is running beam routines over and over again. So, um, yeah, once I'm up, everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But like, I like that you talk about, obviously you do have the nerves, but once you're getting ready and like preparing for your routine, like it sort of all goes away and you like get back to the basics as in like you've practiced hundreds and hundreds of time that that routine and you know you can do it and just go out there and do it one more time isn't as hard for you after you've done it so many times but exactly so you go out there you crush it you win another medal so what did you do to celebrate these two medals we we ate a lot of pizza I remember, especially after like the team event. So the thing that's like a, a well-known thing is that you're not really supposed to celebrate mid games. You wait until closing ceremonies and then everybody can celebrate. And so, cause you want to make it fair for everybody. If there are girls still competing and you're celebrating, it kind of, you know, ruins the uh -huh. moment for them. So you want to make sure that everybody's inclusive. So none of us really celebrated until the games were over and we did the closing ceremonies and there were fireworks and things like that. And it was the perfect way to really like, like, close the chapter and, and do whatever comes next. But after team finals, we got into a room, we were getting ready to get interviewed by NBC and they were like, okay, are you guys hungry? Do you want anything? And I just remember all of us being like, yes, we're hungry. We're, 
we just finished a whole Olympic team competition. <laughs> yes, we're hungry. And I remember they brought a salad and Allie was like, are you kidding me? Salad? <laughs> no, we want pizza. And they were like, oh, okay, okay. And then they ran back and got us like a ton of pizza pies and we just devoured them. I mean, it was hilarious. It was really funny to watch. So um, we celebrated by getting pizza. <laughs> That's awesome. What's your favorite kind of pizza? I'm good for just the original good old cheese pizza. You know, if I can get like a penny vodka slice where they put like the penny vodka or the penne pasta and then like the vodka sauce on it, I think that tastes so good. It's like a full on deep dish pizza. But if not that, I'm good with just an irregular, a regular, a regular cheese kind of guy. Nice. I like cheese too. So you finished the Olympic ceremonies and you came back and you wrote your own book called I Got This. So can you take me through like, why did you decide you wanted to write a book? And like, how did you decide what you wanted to name it and what you wanted to include in it to share with all the whole generation of younger girl gymnasts? Yeah, so the name came from um, right before I competed beam in team finals. I did it for both, pretty much any competition, but I had a habit of telling myself like, all right, you're good, you're okay, you're safe, you're not nervous you're feeling positive, you've trained hard for this, like, all right, everything's going to be fine. I got this. And, and mouthing that to myself. And I remember, um, I guess they got a close-up shot of me saluting the judges, hovering my hands over the beam and saying, I got this. And then hopping up and hitting a real banger of a routine. Uh, and it went viral. I turned into a meme. People were using it being like, yeah, you know, every time I eat my burrito, this is the first thing I say. And it's a gif of me saying, I got this, you know? Um, so that was really funny to watch. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, if we're going to write a book, we're going to write it so that way people can understand the full journey. And, you know, everybody's only watching hours of my career when I've been in it for 11 years. So this is a blip in my radar, but this is the whole entire world for some people. And so I kind of wanted to give some perspective on everything that happened beforehand, injuries, almost quitting before the games, which was a big one. I quit for like three days thinking I was done forever because I just felt too much pressure and I was tired, but you know, I just need a little break, a little refresher. But that was the, the whole purpose of the book was to give that perspective and then you know, that title coming from exactly what had happened at the games. I think that was a pretty, a pretty fun one. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think it's so cool that like you wanted to share your story with others, not just the highs, but also some of the lows and the times that you continue to push through to reach your goals that you had, which ultimately you reached with <laughs> winning multiple medals at the Olympic games. And so Taking a little bit back to what you just talked about, you potentially, you know, wanted to stop for a few days before the Olympics happened. Like, what gave you the motivation to want to come back and to want to continue to do the sport? Yeah, so it was originally in March of 2016. The Olympic Games were in August. So quitting on an Olympic year is a really bad idea. Um, you know, contrary to popular belief, I'm just kidding. Everybody will realize that that's a really <laughs> bad idea. But I remember I had a strain in my VMO, which is like the opposite of your quad. So like the inside of my thigh, I strained it and it connects to your knee. And I've had like a lot of knee problems and stuff growing up. And so it was just the most painful thing. It, every time I tried to tumble, it felt like fire was running up my leg. It was like a whole thing. And it was such a 
you know, strains and sprains and bruises and gymnastics are deemed as like little injuries, even though they are big deals, they are minimized, which is unfortunate. And I hope that changes, but you know, in my environment, in my day and age, like saying you had a strain was the equivalent of saying you had a paper cut in your muscle. It was like, all right, well, keep going. You know, you're just a little sore, but I couldn't. And it was almost like my body chose for me. It was like, you know, I am not going to be tumbling. I'm not going to be doing any of this unless you give me a break. And I just remember getting so discouraged and feeling so stressed out because I knew that there were girls across the world and across the country, but across the world that were training for the same thing that I was, and I could not train. And so I think the realization of that just really hit you know, and being 15 years old at that time, that was a lot of pressure for a, you know, a teenager to experience. So I quit. And after a couple of days, I kind of just realized, you know, all right, you've been doing this for 11 years. You got a couple months left. And I remember my family kind of saying like, listen, even if you don't know if it's going to work out, if you don't think it's going to work out, just kill time, stay with it, see what happens. And then you can quit once it's done. Like, just, just do that. And I was like, all right, fine, twist my arm. So I stayed, literally felt like I was killing time. And then next thing I know, you know, my knee starts to get a little bit better. I start to get stronger. We have our first competition back. I only do bars because my knee, but I hit that bar routine. They're impressed. I get invited back to championships. I compete all four events two days in a row. I hit all four events two days in a row. I came in third and then qualified to trials. And then same thing, hit all four events two days in a row. Um, and I came in second and second is a, I didn't know this at the time. I wish I did, but second is a guaranteed spot on the Olympic team, on the gymnastics Olympic team at Olympic trials. And so I'm over here thinking like, you know, anything can happen. You never know. Cause anything can happen. You can come in third and they can pick a girl for right. sixth and swap you guys um, just because they're going to do what's best for the team. They have a track record, years worth of track record on all these girls. So I'm over here thinking I'm going to get swapped out or something, not realizing that if you come in first and second place, you are automatically set to the team. And so me and Simone came in first and second. And I was like, nice. <laughs> That's yeah. so special. And thanks for sharing that story. Just to like share to others, like it's not like always easy for you, even top level, like Olympic athletes, but like the fact that you continued and you fought back and then you were able to see all of your hard work pay off. Like, I mean, there's probably not much more rewarding than that. Yeah, that was everything. And, you know, what's tough is that everything is chalked up to hard work and dedication. And yes, that is a really big part of it. But it's also like, sometimes things just happen. And there are girls who work just as hard as I did, who trained just as long as I did, and it did not work out for them, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a heartbreaking thing, because it can happen to anybody. It's cosmic duck duck goose at the end of the day, who gets injured last minute, who's healthy last minute, you could be the best athlete in the world. And the year before the games but if you're hurt then you can't compete and then it goes to the right. girl who is up and coming the underdog you know and so everything is always in shuffle and I just hope that you know all the girls who have trained for the games and who did train for the games and who will train for the games like if you do make it that's awesome and if you don't make it it doesn't diminish the years of hard work because that is something that I personally feel like is overlooked we look at all the ones that made it and we forget all the ones that didn't. And yet they don't forget it ever. They won't forget that ever, you know, it's a really hard feeling to cope with. So as someone who has experienced both sides of (laughs) making it winning, making an individual event, and then getting ready to train for the games and getting hurt before you can even try, it's a very interesting perspective to have. I, you know, there's a lot of gratitude in both of those. Yeah. I'm so glad you shared the part because I mean, you're 
everybody's putting in the same amount of work and effort you can't always control so all you can control is what you're doing so I mean everybody training and competing at that level is still amazing and more than most everybody else in the world can do (laughs) so (laughs) absolutely so after the games, you came back and you became the youngest winner of Dancing with the Stars. And then you also hosted American Ninja Warrior Junior. So what were these experiences like for you? And I'm curious to find out, like, what's been your favorite event or show that you've done so far? I've done a lot of things the last couple of years. Well, to kick it off, Dancing with the Stars was crazy. That was a fever dream. I mean, Val was so kind and so patient and just had such an eye for creativity and for how he wanted things to look and a vision. And it was all tailored to me and my personality and who I am as a person. And it just felt so nice to be in the care of somebody who took me as a human into consideration for these dances that he was creating. I felt so special. Um, Each outfit had purpose and meaning. Each song had purpose and meaning. Each step had purpose and meaning because it's Val. Everything has to have meaning, (laughs) which I love. Um, And so you know, being so young in the hands of somebody who could have very easily done it and been like, yeah, I'm just about winning. But instead he took me under his wing, like a little sister and kind of taught me life morals. This is what's important. This is what you can skip, you know, type things like that. Um, And we still keep in touch to this day. So dancing with the stars by far was one of the coolest things that I've ever done. Um, And then of course, coming out with the book was awesome. I think one of my favorite things that's not really gymnastics related. I got to do an animation voiceover for Nickelodeon. And that was like, that was new. I didn't realize that I would like it, but I remember auditioning and the script, my character who's coincidentally named Val, um, (laughs) is very very nervous in the script that they gave me. And I was nervous, so I did it. And they were like, wow, you're really good at this. And I was like, thanks, I'm nervous. I don't know what to tell you. But I ended up getting the part. It was only four episodes, but I had such a fun time doing that. And it was so different. And again, it was one of those things that wasn't gymnastics related. It made me feel special for being able to do something that um, I was not known for. So yeah, there's a lot of things in between there that I'm sure I'm missing. Um, We've done like photo shoots for Nike and Coca-Cola and all this like very razzy dazzy stuff. But my favorite is the stuff that goes, you know, kind of unnoticed or unseen. Those are all my favorite things. That's awesome. And I love that you talk about just like wanting to like be yourself on like dancing with the stars and the show and all that, just being your personality and doing fun things outside of gymnastics as well to like get to enjoy because you probably didn't always get to do that growing up since you were training you know six days a week hours upon hours so what was it like for you doing the American Ninja Warrior Junior thing then because I know like obviously you've done gymnastics so like I'm curious to find out did you try the courses how'd that go (laughs) do you have a favorite event so I did try the courses so With American Ninja Warrior Junior, the courses are tailored to the age group of the kids. And so they have like a nine and 10 course and 11 and 12 course and the 13 and 14 course. And I remember we started with the oldest kids first. We filmed all of that. And by the time we finished filming that week, it was uh, the youngest that came in. And so we had the nine and 10 year olds and that course. And they were like, does she want to try it? And I was like, yes, I want to try it. Are you kidding? It was hard. (laughs) It was so hard. I almost like I almost didn't make it. I was like, I'm going to fall in this water. That's exactly what's going to happen here. But somehow made it. 
and it was just crazy to be able to co-host something like that. And I mean, you, you know, Matt, you know, Matt yeah. is such, such a character, such a personality. Akbar has such a big heart and they're both just fantastic at what they do. And it was great working with them because I learned a lot about commentating and, you know, not acting, not gymnastics, not anything else. It was commentating, speaking about the things that you see, how you say it, how the audience reacts to the things that you say. It was a really huge learning experience. And, you know, it was a little odd for me standing on the side and interviewing these kids when I'm used to being interviewed. And so (laughs) uh, that was a little bit different, but, you know, the world ends up coming around on its heels. Next thing I know, years later, you know, maybe I didn't make the 2021 Tokyo Olympic gymnastics team, but I got to commentate the games and I did it with Matt and Akbar for a month. So it was just so interesting how that world kind of flipped Full over circle. what I got tossed into. Yeah, it was kind of random, <laughs> but they're just, they're fantastic. You know, they, they're easy to work with. It doesn't feel like you're working at all. The whole thing is funny. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, going back to, you know, how it sort of came full circle, what you just talked about, you know, you trained for the Olympics, obviously they got postponed because of COVID and you ended up being hurt, but you ended up being able to do a different side of the Olympics this time as in commentating. And so you went to Tokyo, obviously it was different with COVID, but you got to work with Matt and Akbar and doing the TV show. What was that all like for you? And then getting to like, see some of your teammates from before, like Simone still compete. And what was that whole experience like for you? Yeah, it was It was interesting. At the end of the day, it was a wonderful experience. And I'm so glad that I was asked to do it, invited to do it, and had the opportunity to commentate the games because that is not something that everybody gets to just do. You know, you can audition for anything, but that is like, I don't even know where you even begin to sign up for that. So the fact that I got (laughs) in is beyond me, (laughs) Um, which is big, big kudos to my agent, Cheryl, because homegirl gets me some of the coolest stuff and I get to just say yes and do have these new experiences. So being able to commentate the games, it was, it was very much so new, but at the same time felt very natural, but also at the fair, the same time was really difficult because I was talking about the team that I wanted to be a part of, and it was a lot to handle. It was a lot that I was kind of shouldering, and it was tough being this happy, bubbly personality on camera because at the end of the day, people are not watching to feel bad for me. They're watching so that way they can learn the sport and they can gain more understanding of what is happening out on this Olympic floor. And I was hired to teach and to show and to explain and to express. And so you know, it was a big responsibility to do that and know like, okay, these people who are watching, you have to give them things that they have not heard before. You have to empathize with them. You have to put it in words that they will understand, even though you're a professional and this comes very easy to you, there are going to be terms and lingos and things that the people watching will not understand and comprehend. So finding the bridge to mesh that, and it came very, very natural, especially with Matt Nakbar. So I'm, I'm glad it was a very interesting experience, but I'm glad I got to do it. That's awesome. And like, it's so cool that you've been able to do both aspects of it. And you're still so young and have like so many more like years to come that you could do even more with that. But going back to like, just working on different ideas and projects, I know you talked about doing stuff with NBC when you were like, as a gymnast, but now like you're working with NBC and 
Then you did the National Dog Show Junior with me and Matt, which I had so much fun doing with you. That was so fun. First off. I'm so glad. It was, it was awesome. Absolutely. So I know like just hanging out with you, like you really enjoyed doing the different dog voices. So I'm wondering if you'd be willing to pick your favorite dog and do an interpretation of what you think their dog voice would be like. Um, okay, there's one dog called the Brittany, which is literally my favorite dog. I thought it was so beautiful, so so cute, pretty, like 90% sure that I had a Webkins like it or something. It, it was just a beautiful dog. But I remember actually looking at Matt and watching this dog run by and being like, wow, she definitely walks around this rink and is like, hi, I'm Brittany. I literally am going to win this whole thing. So if you could all just move to this side, that would be great. And I was like, what in the world are you doing? What are you doing? And I was like, I'm Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a funny one. Brittany's totally a Valley girl. Um, What can I say? Yeah, that was the main one. There were a lot of like, Irish Springer Spaniels and Irish dogs that Matt and I kept doing Irish voices for like oh would you look at that my owner's tinting my nose like (laughs) watching it (laughs) I wonder if I'm gonna get a treat later and I was like what is happening I love those and I remember when you know when we were watching it obviously when it aired on Thanksgiving like just hearing you 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 guys trying to do the different dog voices like which is so funny and like you're just having so much fun like being so creative with the ideas for the voices it was literally just us in the studio goofing around for like three hours watching (laughs) these dogs and just rattling off all these different things and they're like great that works have a good day guys (laughs) so like that's a wrap that that's a wrap good job you guys we'll see you probably never again no I'm kidding (laughs) but it was just so it was one of the easiest most laid-back commentary which I don't have much experience in commentary but like of all the commentations that I've done (laughs) that was the most laid-back you know we're making child Irish baby valley girl voices at these dogs that are running in a studio so our faces are not being recorded. It's just our voice. So it's me and Matt spinning in the chair. Like, there she goes. <laughs> I just yeah. imagine it happening. Like, it's just so fun. Cause like you guys, while we, while it was happening first as well, just watching it in person as well as like doing the studio, like you just enjoyed it. And I yeah. think that's what makes it even better. You know, like when you enjoy it so much and have fun with it. Yeah, it, you know, at the end of the day, people can tell when you're enjoying something, you know, people can tell they're not, it's not a hard thing to look and either say, wow, she looks like she's having a really bad time or wow, she sounds like she's having a really good time. You can tell, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that's, what's wonderful either about being on camera or about podcast, the tone of voice, you can tell when someone's excited. And so when people like you and like me and like Matt and Akbar and everybody who's commentating or everybody who's acting or essentially doing anything that they're passionate about, or even me competing in gymnastics, I think the joy is contagious. And that's what people want to see. You know, that's at the Uh end of the day, the world is so hard being able to watch somebody love something so fear, fiercely or fear, fierce, fearless, fearlessly. There we go. Um, (laughs) being able to see somebody just essentially accept something with their whole being and say I love doing this I want to share my love with other people you can tell and I think at the end of the day you know that's a really deep 
<laughs> analysis <laughs> of what we do, but it is what we do. So. And I love that. I totally agree because I mean, if we can make one more person laugh or smile in a day, I mean, that's what you're, that's the job you're, you're just wanting to, you know, make more people happy, you know, at the end of the day, enjoy getting to watch sports or whatever it may be that you're doing. But like, if you're having fun, then there's a big chance that they can have fun listening to you too. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you're talking about something that you're really passionate about, 90% of people are going to look and be like, wow, that's really interesting. Please do go on, you know? (laughs) Because right. you're excited and the joy is contagious. But if you're talking about something and people can tell that you don't want to be there and that you don't want to talk about it, then suddenly nobody wants to talk about it and nobody wants to watch or see or hear, you know? So it's it's definitely a lot of responsibility having the platform and having the opportunity to be on camera or to share the voices that we already have. But at the same time, if as long as you do it with love and you do it with joy, it's it's going to work out. So Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, to finish off the interview, I always like to do my favorite five questions with my guests. So first off, what has been your favorite memory from your gymnastics career and why? My favorite memory from my gymnastics career would have to be going on the Gold Over America tour and on the last tour stop in Boston. We're doing like, it was like 33 cities or something like that. It was a long, long tour. And it was so much fun. It was so unique. I mean, Simone did a fantastic job with, you know, organizing and creating and all of our choreographers, our directors, everybody who was involved really made it a show. And um, <laughs> the, the finale night, act two was getting ready to come on. We get a 20 minute inter- intermission between acts. And so it's me and then who's behind me? I think you know what, whoever was behind me is always on shuffle. Most of the time it was Caitlin Ahashi. And then across the stage is Michaela Skinner and Nia Dennis. And then Jordan, it's Jordan's number. It's called, it's a Wonder Woman number. And me and Michaela and all the girls, we run out and we do a little dance thing and we're like punching the air and stuff. So we're standing there and this graphic television giant board thing lights up and the lights go out and the crowd starts cheering. And we're like, all right, baby, act two finale, let's go. And no music starts playing. And so we're all like, uh Oh, and so five minutes passes by and we're all standing there in our, you know, wonder woman poses and nothing's happening. And so the lights turn back on my ears. Hi folks, we're having a little bit of a technical difficulty. So if you wouldn't mind just staying in your seats, we're going to go ahead and try to get this resolved shortly. Um, we will definitely keep you updated, but for now, hang tight, go grab a drink or anything, and we will keep you updated. Thanks for your patience. And so the lights turn, we all look at each other and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) the show is over. And I remember a lot of time going by, people are starting to get a little agitated. And I remember telling our, our, you know, one of our stage managers, like, Hey, ask them if I could have a hot mic, like give, give me a mic that's turned on and I will go entertain the crowd and figure out a way to keep everybody in their seats and not leave until they can figure this out. Cause apparently what had happened was the system always kind of reboots all the time and backs up the audio. But for some reason, the last system reboot completely wiped the show's audio. We had no audio gone. Oh my God. Deleted software, like no one to grab it from. And so basically what we had to do was get the audio from one of the choreographers. One of the dancers had it on her phone somehow. So we have to send this large file of an audio, get it downloaded, and then we can play the show. And there was just, we needed time for that, like an hour for that. And in this hour is what we got. So I got the okay to get a hot mic. 
went outside, started making the crowd do the wave, started inviting some of the girls. And next thing we know, we're all standing in a circle doing back tuck sticking games and handstand competitions. And Simone did a standing back layout. I mean, the crowd was giggling, laughing, singing along, cheering for our dancers who, you know, of course, naturally you would think, oh yeah, of course they're going to cheer for the gymnasts, but they were cheering for our dancers. Like one of our girls, her name's Emily was in the handstand competition. And I started chanting her name and the whole crowd started chanting her name. I mean, this thing was chaos. It was one of the best moments in my career ever because you saw us just fooling around and going back to our roots, which is doing flips and enjoying the company of other people because it was fun and because we love it. And I think people really got a show. Sorry, that was a really long answer, but that was- That's okay. That's good. I'm so glad because I was able to go to the one in Philly because I covered it for Sports Illustrated Kids. And I remember watching it and it just was like so much fun to get to watch you guys all have fun together and just like- empowering females and like using your voice but like I love that you talk about that you guys just like went out there and you improvised and you figured it out and like you were able to like keep the crowd there until you figured out the music and to get the show back on the road because like it's your last one so you still want to make it a bang yeah and you don't want to end with to keep like 10,000 people in the crowd they should have left you know they should have been like well it's not working that sucks I'm going home I paid for tickets and been all grumpy but instead we left and the show got rave reviews because they were like oh man we weren't supposed to get this behind the scenes stuff we weren't supposed to see any of them have fun unstructured or not choreographed we were just supposed to watch the show and so a lot of people saw it as a treat, which is a treat for us. You know? I bet it was because like you guys just went out there and were yourselves and it wasn't like the show you had practiced to perform. It was just like being you guys and trying to get the crowd involved as well. So super fun. Exactly. I'm glad. All right. So next question is what is your favorite school subject and why? My favorite school subject is writing and literature. So like English grammar writing literature type stuff um just because I love writing I do a lot of screenwriting and fiction writing now but being able to read old books like Scarlet Letter Hamlet Shakespeare all those things I think it just teaches you a lot it's really hard to digest when you don't understand the language but I had a really good homeschool teacher who during Dancing with the Stars broke down Hamlet for me And I ended up loving it. I mean, I thought it was one of the coolest stories ever. And everybody was so baffled by the fact that it was one of my favorite favorite books for the longest time. So I would have to say like English literature, writing. I love writing. Love it. Me too. (laughs) I got to go there. Okay. So I'm curious. I really think I'm going to love what you say about this, but what would you tell the younger version of yourself? Ooh, I would tell the younger version of myself. just to trust herself and trust her feelings and that she's not too sensitive and that if she feels that something is wrong, something's probably wrong because you're a kid and you haven't been exposed to things that are wrong yet. So if something feels off, being able to feel confident enough to speak up and say something about it. So trust herself. Awesome. Love that. All right. The next one is if you had an off day and you could plan your ideal day, how do you think you would spend it? My ideal day would consist of me waking up, making coffee and breakfast, and then going for a really long drive, possibly going shopping, then coming back, taking a huge nap, making lunch, and then getting takeout for dinner and having a movie night. It's very specific. I thought about this before. (laughs) Hey, it it sounds planned out. You should 
You should do it then. You've got it all set up already to go. Bessie, I think today's the day. <laughs> you should do it, man. <laughs> all right. The last question is, if people described you in one word, what do you think it would be and why? If people described me in one word, oh boy, that's going to be really hard. I would say... I am so many contradicting things. Like I have a very bubbly personality, but I'm a huge introvert and like, yes, I'm outgoing, but also I would love to hide under a rock for a very long time. So I'm going to go with ambiverted, even though I'm introverted because it's like very good in social settings, but really needs a lot of time alone. (laughs) Either that or witty. I feel like witty could work. Nice. Those are two good ones. (laughs) well Lori thank you again for coming on the podcast today I had so much fun getting to learn about your gymnastics journey and then you know everything you've done outside of gymnastics as well and I can't wait to see what you do in the future and hopefully you know we can work again together soon yes that would be awesome thank you so much for having me this was wonderful and I'm so glad I got to talk to you again Oh, 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 oh,